coming up, the conflict between curiosity and wonder and the deficit lens. Don't miss this episode of Abundantly Charged. Stay tuned. Welcome to our second season of Abundantly Charged. We're your hosts, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and Jill Lewis, CEO of Brilliance and Beyond. As we begin to think about life on the other side of a global pandemic, we realize that everything in life is forever changed. We are all in the midst of creating new routines in all aspects of our lives, from how we shop to how we socialize to how we travel and spend our free time. We are contemplating new ways to think about how we integrate work and home, and even how we educate our children. We've learned our children cannot and should not be measured on high stakes tests alone. There are multiple ways to connect with our students and we need to move away from a one size fits all approach to teaching and learning. We need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn. And that the cultivation of curiosity and wonder in our curriculum and in our instruction invites each of our students to experience profound relevance and connection to the people and the world around them. Join us as we explore how to cultivate wonder and curiosity in abundantly charged classrooms. Hello and welcome to Abundantly Charged. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler. And I'm Jill Lewis. And together, Grant and I are very excited to welcome you to the second season of this podcast. In in this season, we've really redefined what we mean by abundantly charged. And in this season, this is about cultivating curiosity and wonder in today's classrooms. And that curiosity uh, and wonder are natural results of teachers facilitating uh, what Kathleen Budge and I call joy-filled learning. You know, Grant, we define curiosity as a strong desire to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. And I really like how we defined that particular piece with the word explore, because it's not always about learning to mastery at times. Sometimes it's really just exploring to see if it's something that you're going to love or something that you're going to enjoy. But it is also looking at how are all these different connections made, which really brings us into defining wonder. And Grant and I define wonder as a way to think about, to study, to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. You know, I always, I always love to, uh, to read uh, quotes from Simon Sinek and Peter Drucker, and I think these two fit appropriately here as we start to really dive in more deeply into what we mean by curiosity and wonder. So, of course, the infamous Simon Sinek says, to be a pioneer is to stand on shore and look out to a land no one else can see, know that there are dangers we cannot imagine, and set forth anyway. And 
certainly he was talking about, you know, the things that he, that he writes and talks about, but this is also really, really uh, applicable to thinking about curiosity and wonder. We've really got to tap into those two, those two ideas in our classrooms uh, in order to really make learning um, relevant. You know, and this leads us to Peter Drucker's comment. There is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not have been done at all. I lately have been one of those people who have been just scrolling through the reels. Like they just suck me in, right? And so it's so useless. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening because it's not taking me back to that curiosity or wonder. And that's where I really need to go. But let's think about our students and let's think about teachers as they have continued on the path and especially looking at the past two and a half of years of survival mode. Now we need to move into what is useless? What is it that we need to let go so that we can make room for curiosity and wonder? And, you know, and this episode is all about, you know, the, the conflict between curiosity and wonder and what I'll call the deficit model. And we in education tend to, we seem to be masters of looking at everything from a deficit model, whether that is leader performance, school district performance, teacher performance, and even student performance. So we're going to talk about those as this episode uh, moves forward. But, you know, Peter Drucker said it, you know, we probably, you know, we, we, do, we do really well looking at things that we probably should not have been looking at at all. And we've got to really stop the, you know, there were good reasons why we historically we've, we've, we've focused on, on some things that we needed to focus on, but those, those foci are not getting us where we need to go. And so we really need to mm-hmm. let those deficits go and explore that a different way. I know Jill, I would rather, I think absolutely it's important to recognize when we're failing and who we're failing. And, you know, but I also think that how we accelerate and how we change things and how we move things. I think we would get a lot farther if we would think about the possibilities that move us forward instead of looking at everything from that other lens. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely do. And when I think about this, there are a couple of things that really stick out to me. It's that rich path forward, that rich vision for the future. And when I think about rich, I'm thinking of like, just, you know, growth of, I see all of this abundance and this growth just constantly um, that are just surrounding our students, that are surrounding the work that educators do with our students, where students are thinking critically, where they're developing ideas, where they're ideating, where they're just creating this amazing path for themselves forward. And, and it really, it describes it so vividly, or at least that, that word rich, a rich path forward. It just really sticks out to me. I also am thinking about, you know, when we, you mentioned the learning loss is the perfect example during the pandemic. I was also thinking as I had conversations with people, what did we gain when we were there at that pandemic? You know, we, we slowed down. We looked at what was important to us? What were priorities? Now, many of us have probably just tried to go back to that same 
caliber of where we were at at life, you know, pre-pandemic, but we're finding that it's really difficult to get there because we've had that opportunity to reflect and take some time away from the busyness of life just because we're busy. And, and that to me, I think there's so much that we've gained through the pandemic that is a blessing or that is, that's a strength that we really need to think about and continue to focus on. So that way it's not the deficit model. What are the opportunities in front of us now? That's what's going to make the difference. Absolutely. So, you know, when we think about this rich path forward and this rich vision for the future, we aren't saying that there shouldn't be standards of excellence. There absolutely should. There should be descriptors of that which is high quality and that which is not. But I think high quality should be the given. And when we think about the learning loss, that that conversation around the learning loss, which is a really, really, as Jill talked about it just a minute ago, it's a really, really, to me, it's just just an awful thing to talk about. Yes, we had massive interruptions in schooling. Absolutely. Yes, there were certain populations that felt the brunt of those interruptions more than others. And that is a crime in this country, right? Did we uncover significant issues that we need to address? Of course we did, right? But we also learned a lot. Students learned a lot. Adults learned a lot, right? And we need to uncover those things. We need to figure out where kids are now. It doesn't matter, doesn't so if I'm dealing with a classroom of third graders in 2022, it doesn't matter that my third grade class looks differently than it did in 2019. Who who cares? What we have to think about is where are they now and what do we do, right? What do we do to support where they are? And let's cultivate curiosity and wonder so that we can move them forward. We cannot accelerate their learning by simply pounding deficiencies into their instruction. We can't make up for three years in three months. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. So we need to look at, I I think looking at that from a different lens is just incredibly important to think about that rich path forward. Right. And I, I see that as how did students problem solve? How did they grow in their maturity? And that's where we can start and look at that strength there and then move directly from there. So now let's, let's look at what can we do next? What's that next step to make them successful? And that's where we look at what their strengths are, what their needs are, and what those next steps are, which really takes us into a couple different things, right? So let's look at strategic plans and continuous improvement plans. Right there, we're automatically looking at a deficit model because we are saying, oh, this is, let's look at our data. Where are we low? Uh, what What's that data telling us? Oftentimes we automatically, as human nature is, and, and really draws us into looking at the negative aspects of things. Mm-hmm. But I would like to say, go back to the whole part about, let's get curious of where are our strengths? Why did our students succeed in this part? What are the needs? It's not necessarily their deficits, but what are their needs? We all have needs, right? We all have 
different steps to grow from. So what is the need to get them to the next level? And then that be, that becomes that next part about the next steps. So let's talk about what would be exciting to accomplish and not just focus on one or two of the deficiencies. So if we were looking at strategic plans and continuous improvement plans, what is it that would be exciting to do that would get us to accomplish everything that we needed to accomplish for that specific area? I look at, um, I've done a lot of work with, and I know you have as well, around continuous improvement plans and they bother me so much. And when you think about, um, at least where I'm from, we've been doing continuous improvement plans for 30 years at least. And I've never seen a continuous improvement plan that didn't have increased reading comprehension in it. Like, okay, we've been doing it for 30 years. We haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) And And really who's, who are the improvement plans for? Are they for the students truly, or is it to meet a, um, a requirement from your state or federal government for funding? And it's, you know, typically we write those as a, as a piece of compliance, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we have to do because of either legislation or because of some other, some other requirement. And even those plans are deficit in nature, right? We we're going to increase our proficiency by 2%. Really? (laughs) We're going to do all that work. And we, we expect a 2% gain in a deficiency model. Let's really think about Instead, let's think about what would be exciting to accomplish for our students, for our our staff, for a a community. And let's focus on that rather than just this deficit. Now, remember, those of you who are listening, you're like, oh, we've already said, right, that we believe there should be standards of excellence, that there should be descriptors of that which is high quality and that which is not. But focusing on insufficiencies and deficiencies doesn't get us, it doesn't get us to the bar and it certainly doesn't get us over the bar and it limits Mm -hmm. our view, right? Because we could, we should be, we could be doing other things. Evaluation of staff is the same, right? Let's not, you know, we, you've got this 20 page evaluation tool and we look for two or three areas where somebody's not doing what this, this tool says we should. And we focus all of our attention on those two or three pieces instead of building capacity by empowering people, adults in their role. I would rather spend time with teachers and with leaders empowering them and building their capacity in ways that are far greater than just areas of deficiency. When we empower the adults in that section, like you were saying, evaluation then becomes not evaluation, but it becomes a different type of mindset. And it becomes more of about growth mindset of how can I do better? How can I do it differently so that I can improve what is happening? Um, so that I can look at it with curiosity and I can look at it with wonder to say, if I did this differently, what types of things would I get different Absolutely. as the outcome? And, you know, and, the, and the folks that have written those tools, that's how they envisioned that those would, that those would be used. And unfortunately, we're just not using them that way. We're using them in a lot of places uh, from the deficit lens, instead of giving us ideas 
and things to think about that would help to build and empower adults in their role. You know, accountability is another huge one. We have, you know, for decades now, we have been, you know, thinking about the results of, of a snapshot of learning on high stakes tests. And I think, I hope we've learned, maybe, maybe the people in power haven't decided they wanted to admit this yet or not, but I hope what we've learned is that punishing school districts and punishing schools and punishing staff and students, it doesn't accelerate learning. It, it doesn't move us forward in rich and powerful ways. What does move us forward is cultivating curiosity and wonder, right? If our kids came to places, came to schools, and, and were in, in, in classrooms where that interest was tapped, right, and that exploration took place, and, you know, we, we, children didn't see themselves as an example of a deficit, but actually saw themselves as, you know, students with tremendous potential to grow and to think and to, to, to capitalize on their curiosity by exploring things that are relevant and interesting and challenging to them. We would be in a far different place with uh, how our kids perform, how our kids learn, what our kids are capable of doing. And I think too, right where you say that is um, when I look about that is learning when it's combined with wonder and curiosity, that is where you're going to see this next part start to focus in. The, The achievement gap will close because they're wondering, they're, they have the autonomy, they have that, that desire to learn something because it's interesting to them. It meets what their strengths are because kids know really quickly what they're really good at and what they aren't. And so why not tap into that and use our students as the resource to help us move them forward to close the achievement gap? Um, It's looking at instead of focusing on how deficient a group is, but it's accelerating their learning by building quickly upon where they currently are. Yeah. So let's blow that bar out of the water, right? Let's, you know, those gaps are a direct result of, of systemic neglect. So looking from that deficit lens will not accelerate their learning. It limits it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're always catching up. You're, you're only looking at how close can we get to the, the mark of where they were supposed to be versus what can they do and where can we be by the end? And that is a huge distinction, I think, right? It's all, of, I think you nailed it, Jill. This is about what do we do to get to the bar? Well, hey, newsflash, the bar is pretty low, right? The bar is set pretty low and we want bigger and better things for all of our students. So we want to see where they can go, not just get them to that point where, you know, we, we can, we can wash our hands and say that we've done what it is that we needed to do. So if we're to recap the four different areas, we had strategic plans and continuous improvement plans. Remember looking at that in terms of that deficit model, come up with something different, something that you want to accomplish. That's exciting. That's exciting to your staff. That would be exciting to your students and your community at large. 
look at evaluation, how to build capacity. When we look at evaluation, think about what that's going to do for your staff and how can we help continuing to support them to empower what they're going to do. Of course, the third one was accountability. It's looking at cultivating curiosity and wonder within that particular system. And then number four, of course, student learning and achievement gaps, really utilizing students as a resource so that we're not just hitting that bar. We are going far, far beyond it. You know, curiosity and wonder must permeate every aspect of learning in our classrooms. Today, students' voice, autonomy, and drive must dictate how, why, and what we teach daily. When this happens, students engage and answer the big question, what in the world do I want to explore today? Thank you so much for joining Jill and me. Until next time, let's remain abundantly charged. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Abundantly Charged. New episodes drop every Tuesday afternoon beginning May 17th and running through June 28th. Jill and I will take a short break and we'll return with season three in August. Join the Abundantly Charged virtual community, which launches July 1st. If you would like subscription information, email us at abundantlycharged at gmail.com. Abundantly Charged is a production of Students Matter, LLC, and Brilliance and Beyond, LLC. Our show's theme music, Something Different, was written and performed by Reve and obtained through soundstripe.com. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can also be found on our website at https colon forward slash forward slash abundantly-charged.captivate.fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you like. Until next time, remember, let's remain abundantly charged.